Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everyone? It's Taylor Kyles for CLNS Media here. And my guest today is a defensive mastermind who I personally am learning from constantly. He is a founder of the Match Quarter Substack and YouTube channel and author of six coaching books and a finalist in this year's Big Data Bowl. Congratulations. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Cody Alexander. Cody, thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, glad to be on here. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. So the biggest reason I actually wanted to have you on is because recently you came out with a piece called The Many Faces of Bill Belichick with some pretty hilarious pictures, I might add. And it's centered around hybrids and how the Patriots, you know, their versatile defensive system, how they use those versatile players. So I wanted to ask, first and foremost, what is it that inspired you exactly to write that piece? Yeah, so I do a study every offseason. I try and watch the top 10 defenses within DVOA, which Football Outsiders puts out. It's an efficiency metric. I'm real big in efficiency metrics. I think they kind of give you a bigger picture of what's going on other than yards per game or points scored. Because, again, schedules are so different throughout the NFL. Yes, there's parity, but it's different. So what I try and do is I try and do that with uh, the NFL and college. I got to the Patriots. And I just started watching. I, I like to watch them against the best offenses. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to watch them against an offense that we know is like ranked in the lower tier of the NFL. So I started watching them against the, the best offenses like the, the Lions, uh, the Bengals, the Bills, the Dolphins. And I started noticing every single week was a completely different game plan. It was a different look. There were people in different places. And so to me, I was like, Everything that we know about Bill Belichick and when the NFL zigs, he zags and player evaluations and kind of understanding, you know, where the where the market is for certain for certain people and for certain things. It really got my mind going. I was like, this makes a lot of sense. And so as I got done with the study, I kind of clipped out some of their top things that they did each week that were completely different. And so that's where the the piece was. And I started writing it. And next thing I know, I had like 5,000 words. I was like, I need to make this into a two-parter. So that's why it's a two-parter. And I was telling you yesterday, it was tough when I got to the part two. I was like, come on, man. This is this is a pretty rough cliffhanger you're leaving me on. But I'm looking forward to it. Before we get into really the game plan stuff, you mentioned Bill Belichick. What is it that he does or maybe from what you've seen that he may notice in players where he can take someone that Team C is a tweener? Like this year, it's Marte Mapu. In the past, it's been Kyle Duggar, Jamie Collins. Guys who, when they come to the NFL, their projection's a little murky, but then he takes them and puts them at one position, although they line up everywhere and turns them into household names. What exactly do you see that leads to that type of change? I think just in terms of uh, him, it comes with creativity. Now, when I say creativity, I think a lot of times people are going to think of, oh, well, he he must have some exotic blitz package or all these crazy coverage rotations like you see with the Chiefs do with Spagnuolo or, you know, maybe he's got uh, the these 
intricate match coverages like the Saban package, which everybody kind of lumps them together as they started. But what I think it is, is I go back. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I was a history teacher for a long time. I go back to Eli Whitney and interchangeable parts. And what I think he looks at is that a lot of people see these players as like unskilled labor, right? Mm -hmm. Is that this guy can only do this thing or in my system, he has to do this. He can't necessarily do it. I think he sees it more as I can teach you the fundamentals and techniques of football, because those are a lot of times are non-negotiable. It doesn't matter whether you're playing peewee or the NFL, there are certain things in football you have to be able to do. Uh, tackling is one of them, uh, being able to run and, and, and things like that. Those are all part of that, but he is a big fundamental guy. And once I teach you the fundamentals and the techniques, then I can move you in different parts. And it's not like I'm completely changing the defense or that I'm completely doing anything uh, or a new install. Um, I'm not adding layers to the cake. We're just making different, we're, we're mixing different pieces. And I think with Belichick, it comes with his creativity. He sees players as what are you good at not what are you not good at and I think that's the difference a lot of times between great coaches and average coaches average coaches try and put a square peg in a round hole where Belichick's like okay look you're a square peg I I, I you know what what can we use you for that's different uh, and maybe put you in a situation that's good for you and good for the defense to maximize your skill set and who would you say in the defense for the Patriots would be the headliners in that role where you can see from a technical perspective, it's just something that translates no matter where they're lining up in the certain scheme. I like what he did with with Peppers. I, you know, Peppers out of Peppers to me in Michigan, because I because when he was at Michigan, Don Brown got real popular and Don Brown convinced him to play Sam linebacker. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things with like uh, Matthew with the Saints now played where the Chiefs where he really he and when he was with the Cardinals, really, he was a Sam linebacker, but he was a nickel and they moved him around to kind of to to use his skill set near the box. I think Peppers is another one where when he was with the Giants, they were trying to make him into a safety or he's just a box safety. He's trying to cover tight ends or he's trying to do this. And it was all these things. It's like trying well, to cover Cooper Cup. If you saw that game, that was. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, well, that's where he lines up. So that's what he has to do. And so hmm. what Belichick probably saw was the universal tool that he really is. He's kind of a jack of all trades, but not a master of none. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like. I can use his skill set near the box in different ways and we can protect him through the way we format the line or where I put him or his matchups that we can use. Uh, and to me, he is the kind of the epitome of, hey, here's this guy that when he was with the Giants was an abysmal failure, right? Because he was the first, and I'd say abysmal is probably too hard, but a first-round draft pick yeah. couldn't really catch on. Normally, if you're a first-round draft pick and you're any decent, they're going to give you a second contract. Mm -hmm. so to me, it was like, okay, he saw that. Now your defense, Jabril Peppers, he may not be the quote-unquote starter on the depth chart, but he plays in almost every single pack and he plays a ton of downs. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned Peppers because I'm doing my Marte Mapu breakdown trying to figure out how they're going to use him. And watching Peppers, you see that versatility and like they'll have him in the big nickel packages where it's essentially like a base against two running backs or two tight ends where he'll be in the slot and they're not putting him in man coverage. You know, they're not saying be Kyle Duggar where you're matching up. They have him just underneath zones where he can use that aggressiveness against the Bills. I'm not sure if you saw this one when they were in the fresh red unis. 
He was actually an outside corner against Stephon Diggs as a cloud guy where he was jamming and rerouting but had a safety behind because they're like, this guy's he's physical. He can really disrupt the route, but we don't want him covering Stephon Diggs. But then you also see him in the box where he'll go from standing next to Bentley to then, oh, there's a receiver out there. So now we're going to have Jelani Tavai maybe bump up, change the front and kick peppers out. Now you got me all excited. I like that you mentioned him, but I mentioned, you know, like the bills game. So from what you saw, like you were mentioning earlier, you wanted to see how they performed against the best offenses. What changed? We know that Belichick loves his cover one man, like against the best quarterbacks, as long as they're not a crazy mobile threat, he tries to play as much as possible to make the other players beat the great quarterbacks rather than trying to beat them. What were the biggest differences in game plans where he kind of got away from that man coverage and the things that you typically see from a Bill Belichick defense? And why was he doing it based on whomever he was adjusting to? Yeah, I think the biggest example of this was against the Bengals. He almost didn't run any cover one. I mean, it was almost all split field coverages, mostly cover two, so that he could get the double on the outside receivers on, at constantly and also beat them up. I thought it was really interesting when you turn on the tape for Buffalo on that second game that they played, it looks like a college defense. This looks yeah. like a tight front or the mint front that you see, you know, Nick Saban running. And they're running quarters. And you're like, wait, you know, the, you know, it's it's common knowledge in coaching that the Belichick and the Saban guys do not like quarters. They try and they try they will run it, but they tag it a different way and they to make sure that they don't call it quarters. They're running quarters. <laughs> no, no, no headlines for quarters. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like you can't let anybody know we're actually running this. So it was interesting to me when you look at a team like uh, the Ravens, you know, you're going to get a bump in court. He didn't play any cover two. He played quarters. So his mm-hmm. complimentary coverage to his regular base cover one, cover three was quarters running quarterback, Josh Allen. You see again, a lot of quarters. Why do teams run quarters against running quarterbacks? That's because now you have nine eyes on the, on, on the ball mm-hmm. and you don't have your quarterback player in the middle of the field playing from depth because by the time he gets in line of scrimmage, especially against Josh Allen, he's probably trucked a bunch of people. You're he's you already got that train going. You don't, you know, you don't want your safety coming from 20 yards to tackle him. And then with Lamar Jackson, you give him any kind of space, he's gone. So to me, that was kind of the biggest things is that he used different coverages, uh, in ways to force teams to cut or to counter teams. So running quarterback, we're going to play quarters. Uh, Joe Burrow's not really a runner. He can, but that's not what they want to do. We need to blanket the outside guys. We need to get doubles. We need to be hard on those guys and make sure they don't get free releases, run cover two. I thought with uh, the Dolphins, uh, primarily when he wanted to run cover two, it was more of an inverted cover two. They, they, he dared the Dolphins to throw outside. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those where we know that none of your quarterbacks can throw outside. So we're going to funnel everything inside and pack everything into these hashes. And you're going to, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be outside and wide, which is again, low percentage. And so he, to me, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, we're seeing the spread of like the Vic Fangio system where it's more split field coverages and things like that. And obviously Belichick subscribed to that more than he did than usual last year. I wonder from your perspective, is that more him conceding and saying, you know, these are just really talented players. You're going to have to change what you do schematically because you can't match up. Or is it more of him, you know, just experimenting, seeing what his defense can do in these certain packages? Like, what do you think really is the impetus for that? Or is it really just, Belichick, like this is the game plan that's going to work best for this specific team. 
Yeah, I think with Belichick and from what I've what I've understood with Belichick and the way that he approaches a game plan is like every and it makes sense again when when you look at the film, everything is curated for that week to make that offense left handed. Okay. And so, yes, he will take bits and pieces from different things. Um, I do. I don't think that we're going to see a day where Belichick is running everything from a too high scheme, mm-hmm. even if it is cover one, even if it is cover three. He's not going to be doing it kind of like the Fangio system and what has become popular. You have seen an uptick in in his historical use of cover two quarters has seen an uptick Uh, typically teams that are cover one dominant they will counter with a cover two just because that's a good compliment you can you can hide the contours there's a lot of things going on right now in the nfl and at the at the higher levels of college with showing cover one shells and then then kind of rotating to different cover two iterations uh, just to get teams to check into certain things so i think it really is kind of both Uh, and you know not to ride the fence but that is truly what he's doing He's saying, look, these are what is becoming best practices against the offenses that we're now seeing in the NFL. How can I fit them into my philosophy and the athletes that I have? And I think, too, to his to his credit, when you have a lot of hybrid players that can do a lot of different things and you don't necessarily have to get out of these, you know, quote unquote, lighter hybrid packages, you are able to kind of stay in your base even though there's a different personnel. So you don't have to constantly uh, wholesale change your whole philosophy. Okay. We want to tell you a little bit about FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, what do I like about FanDuel? Let me tell you, the app is incredible, super easy to use, very intuitive. It's safe, secure, and you get paid instantly when you win there is no better place to bet all the playoff action than america's number one sports book so go to fanduel.com slash boston once again visit fanduel.com slash boston and get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that is fanduel.com slash boston fanduel the official sports betting partner of the nba now you must be 21 or older and present in massachusetts to participate a ten dollar initial deposit is required your first online bet must be a real money wager. The bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets when you get a refund on your $1,000 no-sweat first bet. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Right. And now surrounding the conversation of what cover structures are going to be playing, a lot of people assume that with Devin McCourty now in retirement, who obviously was free safety 1A, 1B, like he was really the only guy that was in that role. Other people would rotate depending on the package or the situation, but really it was his job and he would acknowledge as much. So some people said, okay, well now you have Phillips and Duggar as your main safeties. Are they going to play more split field? Now is Duggar going to be the free safety? Is it Phillips? My personal thought, just by watching their film when McCourty was in the box and not on the field, was it's going to be Adrian Phillips and their lighter packages to keep Duggar in the box. But maybe when they go nickel, it might be more Duggar deep 
I'm really curious to know what you think, especially when they have Peppers, who you're a fan of, Jalen Mills, who has experience all over the defensive backfield, is now a full-time safety. I still think he's going to play cornerback against some bigger receiver groups. We'll see. But what do you think that safety group is going to look like this season without McCourty, but with a ton of versatility, but a lot of guys were also primarily box defenders? Yeah, I think like if you look at Adrian Phillips, you look at uh, Mills, now you've got a cover safety. You got guys that are probably more comfortable being a little bit more deep. I think Duggar with his size and versatility, you don't necessarily want to waste him. 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. This is a guy that can match up. He's a tight end killer, Mm -hmm. uh, which is becoming bigger. Uh, You, I I mean, if you think about it, you could run literally a four, like a dime package with Duggar and have uh, uh, Peppers as your outside linebackers. And you're not really losing that much uh, versus some of these kind of teams that want to run these hybrid 12 personnel schemes that are, we all know it's 12 personnel, but they're really running 11 personnel things because you've got a pass catching tight end and then a blocking tight end. So to me, what I think it really looks like is that you're going to have more opportunities to not necessarily change packages or change your base defense, more or less move people around. I think with Mills moving back to safety, now you, to me, now you can run a little bit more of your base packages and let him just come down on a slot receiver. Uh, He can cover that guy. You don't have you. So I think it, to me, it's more of a tool. You have more diversity within scheme because you have guys that have like with the Mills, he's really a cover guy. Now he can play at safety. So he understands, coverage he understands zone but he can play from depth he can now line up on a slot and you're not necessarily you know losing anything on that like if you would with peppers trying to guard you know like you're talking about guarding cooper cup right. uh, so to me i think that that gives me more of a feeling of look they're gonna, he's really gonna mess around with some of these packages and really kind of hunker in because he's in let's be honest he's in the afc you're gonna go against the Bengals, the chiefs the bills the dolphins like you're going in and you're gonna see the bills and the dolphins twice so it's like mm-hmm. you're really seeing some of the best offenses all the time and the best quarterbacks now with Rodgers in the Jets. So you need these hybrid schemes and be able to kind of cover all your bases, but not necessarily wholesale change what you're trying to do on defense. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned Mills is the cover guy, because what my hope is that Duggar becomes the secondary's version of a Hightower or a Wilfork, like in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, where Hightower was playing off the ball and then they were getting run on and they said, you know what, put him on the line of scrimmage. We're cutting this out. And then you saw what a difference he made there. Just based on the situation, you have Duggar either as a robber, which I'm hoping they do against Tua, because you know he's going to throw over the middle. So just let him read, rob, make some plays there, have Jalen Mills maybe take over more of his man coverage responsibilities against tight ends possibly. That also leads me into my next question, because I think Marte Mapu is somebody who could also take on more because they're very similar sizes. Mapu's taller, but they're the same weight. I think he's someone who could fill in a lot of the roles near the line of scrimmage that Duggar had. So I'm going to go through the list of the Patriots defenders that they drafted, because I know you're a fan of these guys. You wrote about them. I got me more excited, especially about the late round DBs. So we're going to go through each of these guys. And I want to know what you think of the player and their fit New England system. So we'll start with the first pick for the Patriots, cornerback Christian Gonzalez. This is a big corner that plays man coverage. If you re- think about it, and this is sh- this was shocking me because when I was doing research for this, I, I did not know the Patriots have not had an all pro defender since Stefan Gilmore 
in 2019. I feel like most people are going to be surprised by that. Patriots fans won't be. <laughs> right. I, to me, you know, I don't live in, I don't live and die and buy, you know, so it's like, I, you know, right. when you, when you look at it, you're like, wait a second, they've had these top defenses like year in and year out. How do they not have one guy? I think what this is, this is, was an opportunity to get a kid that fits. I, I mean, you talk about a round peg and a round hole. This is exactly what he wants. He wants a tall, physical corner that has tools that can play zone. He can play man. He can lock down one side of the field and that allows him now to kind of do some other things with these safety. So I, when, when they got that pick, I was like, he probably couldn't get that card in fast enough when Gonzalez fell to him because some of the other corners were, they're good. But I think when, when you look at him, he played in, he played in the saving system under Dan Lanning. He's familiar with the coverage system in the language that's going to be used he knows that he's kind of, that he's a man coverage guy he's physical he's a track kid i know that because i'm from the dfw area i remember him he's from the colony uh Very fast cool. fast kid yes and to be that tall and that fast uh and and again you will get exposed at corner if you don't have the hips to do deal with it. So he's not just a track kid. This is a big physical athlete that can play corner. And I think to me, that gives him exactly what he wants at the corner spot. What were your thoughts on the questions about Gonzalez's toughness? Because I felt like in the Georgia game, which is, I think, what most people point to, there were moments where you say, yeah, I can completely understand if this is the only game that someone's watching, you have concerns about that. Was that something that watching him you thought consistently showed up? Or do you think as, you know, a man cover corner who's probably going to be on the backside of a lot of formations one on one? Is that as big of a deal as people may have made it out to be? I don't think it is. I it, to me that's a fan thing. I, mm-hmm. I think when you really look at when you really look at that like the Georgia game in particular. I mean, you we've all been there where it's just like we're just getting ran by. There's nothing I can really do. Yeah. At some point, you know, you're going to concede, and that's exactly you can see that that's what happened there. I'm not real concerned about it. I've watched most of Oregon games. Uh, Lanning, Lanning's a Kansas City guy. I'm from Kansas City. Uh, we we grew up like 20 minutes apart from each other. Uh, he went to school at William Jewell, which is in my hometown. He knows a lot, like a, a lot of the kids I grew up with went there. So it's like I always try and pay attention to what he's he's doing. He's a great coach. Um, I'm not real concerned about it. He comes from a multiple defensive system. I think he's going to be a, a great. I've watched most of their games. I don't have any concerns with it. I just think you do get into some situations sometimes where you just kind of like, especially with the Georgia game, like it there it was a lose lose situation. Right, you have a lot of connections with the Gonzalez storyline. I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean loose connections, but yes, I mean it. I have watched him more than probably some of the other ones. Uh, I mean Witherspoon probably would be the other corner that I've watched uh, much. I like I like uh, Gonzalez just as much. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what about defensive lineman? I'm not going to give him a position because he's going to be all over the place. Keon White. Yeah, this is an interesting – again, this is another one that makes just total sense. This is a guy that can play anywhere from – three. really, he could probably play anywhere from three-tech – to a stand-up defensive end at mm. about 290 pounds, uh, which is insane when you really go and you look at him. Um, Andrew Thacker, who was a defense coordinator at Georgia Tech, is a good friend of mine, and he was he had you know you could he was telling me you could do anything you wanted with him. He could drop in the coverage. You can you can line him up as a rush tackle. I don't think in like when the Patriots go 
in their four down package. I don't think he is going to be a guy that you want living uh, at the three technique all the time. He'll set. Uh, But in terms of rush packages, getting him on a guard and getting him isolated on a guard with his quick, his quickness and speed. I still think the under tackle is viable in the NFL. uh, And that's what he's going to give you. He's also going to give you a kind of a, one of those, I, I thought uh, ever uh, an example of this is this is how I see it. Evero last year with the Broncos used DJ Jones as kind of a, a defensive end when he's really mm-hmm. inside line uh, inside the lineman. Mm-hmm. White is kind of that way, like it kind of the reverse of it. He's he's really standing, but he can play inside. So you can mm-hmm. do so many different things with him, and I think it gives him. I, I think it gives Belichick an opportunity to move him around uh, and and really just you know. Streamline his pass rush and, and get him better at that, and then kind of create mismatches across the front. And what I've been hearing a lot is people kind of assume, and it makes perfect sense that Keon White is going to basically be like Dietrich Wise because they're both big guys. You know, they can be very overwhelming. But I see it being more shades of like a Trey Flowers, even or with both, they were more interior defensive linemen. Like you said, I could see Keon White being more of an outside linebacker than he is necessarily a three technique. You saw an early downs at Georgia Tech. He was really standing up. And I wasn't sure if that was maybe so he could read the line, the run plays easier and diagnose. But it seemed like on early downs, they wanted him on the edges. And he could also drop. Like, he's got that freaky Matt Judon thing where you look at them. And you're like, there's no way this guy is going to, like, carry somebody 30 yards downfield. Against Georgia, there was a play way downfield. I think it was a wheel route or something he was carrying where if he didn't try to break it up, like it was, it was pretty funny to watch actually, but if he doesn't try to break it up, he probably tracks down a running back, like way downfield, just crazy athleticism. Yeah. I think, I think for him, he, that's, it, in that system at Georgia Tech, he was asked to be kind of a, an edge, what he was going to be asked to do mostly in, in the NFL. And I think he gives you, again, that 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 versatile piece right there on the edge. Yeah, and this is someone I'm really excited about. So as long as you want to talk about this guy, you have – if you want to do the rest of the interview, I don't mind. All right? Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State. Small school guy who I think has pretty big potential. Yeah, this is a to me, he looks like a lot like the Duggar pick, maybe not as athletic as Duggar. You know, I don't I don't think you're going to get you're going to see Mapu back there covering a deep half. But what this does, what this does for me, like I I think of like the Bills game plan running kind of the the quote unquote college defense, right? Running a tight front with a with a money backer who lines up to the tight end, can match up with a tight end. Uh, He's great with the blitz. If you wanted to line him up at, at edge in certain rush packages are on third down he can and he can rush the passer he can play man coverage he's played depth wise uh in in a three high package he's been that middle safety before which again Mm -hmm. that is tracking speed that's coming down from depth knowing where your fits are fitting on top of the back instead of you know always chasing Uh, so to me i think he gives you another versatile piece to me i think him and peppers are really going to be those box players and that frees up them to use duggar really as kind of that rover in the secondary uh, that kind of that what you were talking about that robber in the secondary uh alleviating a lot of the issues of well we need to have him down in the box and against these looks. Uh, so to me, again, anytime you can get a guy to where you don't have to change a package or you, you don't have to then, uh, 
protect him in the box, I think that expands your defense. And what I'm seeing on this roster is multiple guys who, if you go 12 personnel, we don't have to get out of our package that we chose to run for this week. We can stay in it. You want to go like Dolphins, you want to go 21 personnel? Fine. We can live in our hybrid practice and we can still match up with with your your speedy, your basically your track team as a as a receiver core. So I think to me that that is what I'm seeing him with this pick. And then even with the Keon White, having guys that can do multiple things uh, and not have to sub them out. I think that's the key right now. I absolutely agree because the Patriots have been one of the more like a dime nickel heavy teams where they don't use base really ever, unless you're coming out with like three tight ends and they're saying, okay, you're probably going to run just based on the situation personnel groupings. Now, as you're saying, they can be in their base units, but it's a hybrid where Mapu's not really just a linebacker. He's also like kind of a big slot corner in some packages, you know, like I was thinking when they used the uh, big nickel last year where peppers and Duggar were more in the slot. Now you can just put Mapu out there and you really have the flexibility of saying, all right, Jelani Tabai, you're our inside guy. Mapu, you know, will play you in zones. If they like the matchup, they can play man coverage. But, you know, they can protect him in certain situations, but still be able to get that physicality and that size without giving up the athleticism. So now we're going to get more towards the guys towards the end of the draft who not a lot of people know about, but I'm excited about because of the height, weight, speed that they carry and all the potential that's there, but we'll see about their development. So first, Jackson State Tigers defensive back and kick return specialist, Isaiah Bolden. Yeah, Bolden was interesting to me. He's huge. Uh, You know, him him and the speed kid are both over Mm 6'2". Having that kind of ability to run, I think what that also does is it allows you to kind of allow him to be the kick returner, let Jones be the full-time punt returner, which is what he excels at anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, these are guys, these are are Patriot guys, right? These are developmental players that we know are going to be great on special teams. And look, if we can get them in the system – two, three years down the road, they can be viable players, uh, you know, as either second teamers or even maybe push some of these starters as we kind of transition guys out of, out of the roster because football is a game of attrition. Mm-hmm. So the more tall corners that can that can run that you got, again, you look at what is the Patriots' main scheme? They want to play cover one. In, in cover one, you got to have big physical receivers that can run, and that's exactly what they got with both of these guys. Both these guys can play um, on special teams, which, again, is a huge thing. Not a big thing for a lot of, uh, you know, it's one of those understated things that I think a lot of fans, they hear it, but it kind of goes over their head. When you are a late round pick, the only way that you're going to stay on the roster a lot of the times is if you can play special teams. Mm-hmm. That's the great separator. So to me, can you run down on a kickoff? Can you run down on a punt? Can you make a tackle in space? Those are all going to be things that that's what's going to get you eventually on the field. And that's what both of these guys kind of bring. Yeah, and especially with Bolden, it's exciting because I was looking at it. He actually led Jackson State in defensive snaps played, which was a bit of a surprise to me because you're expecting to be more of a return specialist. And with the Patriots having Gonzalez, obviously, corner who's over six feet, everybody else is pretty tiny. So you're hoping that one of those guys can develop and give you more size in the cornerback room because they're just, especially on their schedule, there's a lot of guys are going to play who have a couple receivers that are six foot or above. Cody, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it, man. If there's anything at all that you would like to plug and endorse yourself, you are more than welcome. Floor is yours. Yeah, the only thing I would say is if, if you were interested in anything that we talked about, this is what I do 
every week on match quarters. So matchquarters.substack.com. I, all of my stuff is on matchquarters.com, which has an extensive archive. You can find me on YouTube, really type match quarters into any social media. I probably should be there. So whatever, wherever you use social media, I'm there as well. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for, for letting me uh, come on here and, and talk football with you. Thank you for coming on. We know Belichick and Saban aren't going to put the quarters name out there, but this show will do it for you. And you're doing a great job yourself. Once again, Cody, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.